Hello and welcome to the Body Talk podcast. I'm Alina Jenkins and one of the reasons we set up this podcast series was to help as many people as we can by sharing some of the tips and strategies and techniques that we teach every day to help people improve their confidence, their presentation skills and their general well-being. Another reason was to speak to other voices, hear from other people across multiple industries who can share their tips and advice. And what we're going to talk about today is that little voice inside your head. For some of us, it's quite quiet and we never hear it. For others, it's really loud. And what it is, it's your inner critic. And over time, it can start to make you feel inadequate. And we come across this more often than you might think at Body Talk. Even with very high-flying individuals at the top of their career, on the face of it, they seem confident and in control, but it's just a facade. And something very different is happening behind that facade, which eventually can become damaging. So to talk about this inner critic, I'm joined today by business psychologist Fiona Kearns, and she is director of Kearns Consultancy. She has a wide wealth of experience of helping top tier individuals overcome this self-doubt and increase their confidence, their capability, and also help them become more visible. Fiona, welcome to the, to the series. Oh, thanks so much, Alina. I'm really delighted to be here with you today. So we're going, to, we're going to talk about this inner critic in just a moment's time. But first of all, can you perhaps tell our audience some of the challenges that you help your clients overcome? The challenges that are most common, most commonly presented are individuals who are overtly doing very well in their career. They're middle senior managers, but they're struggling to get the top role the C-suite roles, or perhaps a role in the industry that they're in, that people don't seem to see them as a senior leader. They see them as individuals who are a safe pair of hands, but not just don't have that edge to give them that very, very senior role. And that's the manifestation, if you like, that people will want to solve. It's a concrete problem that they can talk about. So that's pretty common. And I speak to that in terms of my marketing and how I present myself, because that's what people identify with initially. But of course, the fix or the solution behind that is is internal, mostly. Not always. There are external behaviours and actions and so on that need to be adjusted in order to achieve those and feel confident enough to go for those roles and be recognised as a senior leader. But so much of it is the internal goings on. That's ultimately what's preventing people to get those jobs and be able to present themselves to others as that person. Where do you think this comes from, Fiona? Because it seems to me uh, the experience that we're having as well is that you're talking to people who have done really, really well in their career, and yet they still have this self-doubt. So where, do, where does it come from? I think it's beliefs that we've picked up over the years. And for individuals who have gotten to a certain point, and, and remember externally, as you've articulated, people think they're doing great. They've made it. And there can be a bit of a little bit of guilt around thinking, well, actually, it's pretty good where I've got 
you know, why do I even need this further thing and so on? And that's the fear coming in. But I think it's all these beliefs that we've picked up over the years as a kid, as growing up and early in our career. We have crafted this way that's worked for us so far. Uh, one thing that comes up for a lot of people that I see is that they have developed this belief that the way to success is working hard. And you can imagine that's an incredibly useful way to succeed. But there is a point that you can't work any harder without damaging your health in an extreme way or really damaging, you know, your family and friends and the social aspect of life as well. And remembering that when people get to that middle point in their career and want to get to the higher level, they're thinking more broader about their life. They don't want to work huge amount of hours every week. So it's fundamentally the beliefs and behaviours that we've picked up all the way along that have worked for us to a point but they're not working anymore and individuals need new strategies, new coping strategies in order to deal with those and move to the next stage, which is where they want to go. What would some of those coping strategies look like, Fiona? The first thing to do is actually to take a step back and, and that, that can be hard to do, but people get a glimpse of this. If you look around and the pandemic has not been very good for many things, but it has offered the opportunity for a lot of people to reflect on their life and realize what's going on for them, their commute, how that's impacting them and so on. And it allows people to take stock and think about what they actually want and look at what they can do to change what they're doing. So. If you're working really hard and you're working so hard because you're the only one that can do the job, you know, because people will have told you and you, you'll have been on courses and done all these things already. The answer to that is to delegate. But the problem with that is nobody does it as good as you. But you have to you have to deal with that because when you truly look at the top leaders, they don't do it all by themselves. Indeed, they only do a very small amount what they do is they build a team around them. Now, the team might be in their corporate environment or it could be their friend list, their network and so on. I mean, one of the advantages of networking, you know, if you're a member of the IOD, the Institute of Directors or you're one of these other kind of, you know, CEO networking groups is that you can typically ring somebody up, ask a question and get the help you need. And that's one of the ways that differentiates a high level leader to somebody who is not there yet because they think they have to do it and can do it all by themselves. And it just doesn't work that way. So building that network around yourself expands your own capability and doesn't require a huge amount of work. So that's one concrete way that people can you know, make that shift and make that change. Are there, are there some others that we that we can add into that? Is is that is that the core one for you? I think the belief, the the how we manage our thoughts and our beliefs is is a key one. Like this, the inner critic piece. That's about understanding what's the purpose of the inner critic. The inner critic, that voice in our head, we we have this belief that it makes us better. 
we and and it's a fallacy. It doesn't make us better. It just makes us feel bad. But if you move back from that a little bit and think, well, what is that inner critic actually doing? It's actually trying to protect us. So it's coming from a good place. But you have to be able to differentiate from the good of that and the not so good of that. It's helping you stay safe. It wants you to play small. It wants to, you know, push you into a very particular place that you don't want to go right now. And sometimes you have to do that. And maybe this sounds a bit woo woo. You know, you have to say, thanks inner critic. I hear what you're saying, but I got this. I got this to, to move beyond it and keep going. But the other thing is that the temptation with the inner critic is that you think that by playing smaller, you will stay safe, but, but it doesn't work that way. And this is this is something I see a lot of individuals come to me because they're they, they're not confident or they're not as confident as where they used to be. Gosh, I used to be really confident. I used to do all these things and it was no problem to me. And now, oh, like small things make me feel like I shouldn't speak up and so on. And what you find in those scenarios is that people have been not speaking up more. They've been making the world slightly smaller. They want to play a little bit safer and they think they're doing something good to protect themselves and things will stay in an even keel. But it doesn't work that way their world diminishes, they stop speaking up and their confidence diminishes to a great degree. And it's the speaking up and speaking your truth that makes the big difference. And this is how you feel much more confident. And you have to pick your battles. I'm not suggesting you should always say everything, but you've got to pick your battles of the things that are important to you. So even though you might be concerned that by speaking up, you know, you know, you won't get that promotion or you won't get that pay rise and you want to keep your income because that's your stability. And, and that's a big one for people and people are concerned because they're parents and there are these things that they're worried about and they override the other things that are going on. But the only way to get back your confidence is to start to do the scary things, the things that you're a little bit afraid of. And it's it's kind of a learned process that you have to go through. You have to go back and get there. And you can absolutely get your confidence back, 100, 100%. But you have to start rolling back on where you were. You started going back into yourself and going smaller. Now you need to take steps to go out there and do it and build it back up. But Rome wasn't built in a day. You don't build your confidence in a day. And this is the key thing for people. One other thing, and I know you like the the concrete things, for building your confidence and dealing with the inner critic indeed, writing down your successes and the things you've achieved and if somebody gave you a compliment or you did a great job on a project or, you know, you achieved, you know, 150% of something or, or any of those achievements that you did, you played a little bit bigger, you took a risk keep a log of those things. I actually have a notebook and I don't, I don't even type it. I actually just write it down like it's old fashioned pen and paper. And I put that in there because it allows me to realize you are progressing, you're achieving, you're taking the little risks and you build yourself back up. And that's something concrete that everybody can do. And you can type it if you like, you know, however you choose to store, it's up to you. 
But it's useful to see how far you've come. And it's also useful on those days where you're thinking, oh, what am I doing? Or you're thinking, should I give it up? Or if you run a business, you know, if you've had a really bad day, you're thinking, oh, gosh, I should go get a job. But of course, you're unemployable usually by that stage. So you wouldn't be able to do a job. So these are all the things that are going on in your head. And it's about getting them out of your head and dealing with them and managing them so that you can start making the impact and leaving the legacy in the world that you want. That's, yeah. (laughs) I I, I was going to ask you, Fiona, about how is this, how closely is this linked to something called imposter syndrome, which was a phrase that I had not heard of until perhaps maybe about four or five years ago. And it's a phrase which just keeps coming back and back and back. And lots of really high profile profile people, particularly women, are saying, yep, that's me. So how closely is that connected, this idea of, you know, your inner critic and then this imposter syndrome? Oh, I think they're inextricably linked, no doubt, because that imposter syndrome is is telling you, you know, it's it's telling you to play smaller and who do you think you are and you can't do that and who are you to speak up and you know, you, what you have to say doesn't matter. Somebody else said it better. All those things that go on in your head, little old me, who would I be? You know, they want something else. They, they don't want me. They don't want this. They think I'm a troublemaker. They think I speak too loudly. They think I have the wrong accent. All those things feed into what's going on inside ourselves. And I mean, some of the, some of the, in terms of imposter syndrome, some of the reports you'll see on it say it only affects women and so on. It doesn't. It does impact a high number of people and it does impact women, but it impacts impacts men as well. And in some ways, it can get more severe the more successful you are, which is counterintuitive. So you would imagine when you're at the start of your career and you don't have much experience, it would be really high if you're inclined to feel that way but that's not the case and I'm not surprised that you're seeing uh, with your clients that you know really amazing people you know when when you dig down that they're sharing this with you because they feel safe enough to do it and they just don't see what we see when we look at them it's like you look at another person and they say oh they've got it all together they've got it all together I don't know what I'm doing half the time so there's all of this piece going on, but that's not the case. It's like the swan, you know, graceful on top and legs going crazy underneath. There's all of that. So they're no doubt inextricably linked. And if you see people, you know, some of the symptoms, if you like, of imposter syndrome are procrastination and also perfectionism as well. So these are two that are, are kind of kind of come under that umbrella. So the perfectionist will want to do everything to the nth degree, dot the I's, cross the T's, go back to the office at 2 a.m. in the morning because they didn't spell check a document or something like that. Like crazy, put hours and hours and hours into something just to get it just right when perhaps other people won't know or won't make a difference, but they will know and they will want to make sure. So that pressure that comes from that perfectionism comes under this imposter syndrome banner and then procrastination. If you're a procrastinator, I know I'm one of those. This comes from it as well. You know, you do it, you put this massive effort in at the end, you get it done. 
But the outcome of both of these, the procrastination and the perfectionist is that at the end, you come to the same conclusion, more or less, that it's not me that's very good. It's just the fact that I worked hard. I worked so hard. I'm a perfectionist. I worked so hard. That's why I got it done. Procrastinator is I just, you know, put this in and, you know, I did it all together and, you know, but it's not really me. And we have this separation. So we think it's not me that did it. It's this other thing that is responsible for it. So we're separating it. But actually, we do need to own it. We did do it. You know, we either did it by doing it all at the last minute and submitting it at five to the hour when it was due or what have you. So these are all the things that we're doing. So for me, they're all in the same pot. They're all together. And it's about managing our thoughts in terms of, getting it so that we can function and make the impact we want, despite having all these things going on in our very, very active brain. And they're both at such opposite ends of the spectrum, aren't they, Fiona? Perfectionism and procrastination. But the trouble is that both of them can become really dangerous habits to have formed because they can be so damaging to us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that you know, how it's how awful an individual feels. And it's exactly, you know, like the banner, it's impossible. You feel like a fraud and you're afraid somebody's going to find you out. You're afraid somebody's going to knock on the door and say, I know this isn't you. I don't know how you got by this far over the years. And there are countless examples of it, countless examples of it. And it just shows you all the more that, you need to figure out a strategy to overcome it and also perhaps to call out things that people have actually done when you see them, which we don't often tend to do to say, actually, I saw you did a really good job on that and maybe start owning it if somebody goes out of their way to say that as well. I, th- I think as well, it's it's um, being able to accept compliments because uh, it's something that I'm guilty of and I'm really trying to do better at it is it, it maybe it's a, a Br- very British thing. But when somebody pays you a compliment, you go, oh, you know, it was it was nothing or, you know, it, it was somebody else. You know, it, it, we find it very, very hard to take compliments. Absolutely. Absolutely. I... I accept that it's a British thing, but let me assure you, it's also an Irish thing as well. You know, you 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 bat it away because you you have this funny sense that you know people will think you're big headed if you accept a compliment and just say thanks, but it it feels uncomfortable. And interestingly, that's a piece that I work with clients with as well because when you're struggling to get the senior role, some of that comes into play because if somebody says, "Gosh, you did a great job in that project," for example. And you say, oh, no, it wasn't me. Then at some point, some people will take you at your word. If <laughs> So, so there, there is there's a there's an aspect there in terms of the business commercial world as well. That's not so good, even though we all know the personal compliment piece. Yeah. Just going back to sort of overcoming procrastination and perfection, is it similar strategies that we spoke about earlier in, in how to deal with your inner critic, some of which is just reminding yourself that you are in the right place and, and you know exactly what it is that you're doing? Yes, that's part of it. The other thing that can be really useful as well is getting a little bit comfortable with failing. And this is more geared towards the perfectionist, to be fair, because 
we it can be built up that you know if anything goes wrong you know the, the font isn't quite right or something like that that really doesn't have the impact we think it will it's a major deal when it's not but if you can find a place where you can fail a little bit it doesn't have to be you know it can be a hobby it doesn't have to be in work but you might be able to do something in work as well you know you decide that you're going to bake a cake and you go off and bake a cake and it doesn't work out well you know nobody died nothing happened the profits of the organization as a result of the cake failing you had a bit of a giggle or maybe at worst you were a bit embarrassed there's a good lesson in that in terms of we can also take ourselves a bit too seriously and I think that's the challenge as you go on in business as well is that you think oh well I'm more senior now so I, I can't be seen to be doing that or I have to be perfect or you know I can't be that I have to be one thing and we build this little kind of profile for ourselves that it doesn't need to be that all the time if you're CFO okay I don't want you joking or messing up you know the the accounts uh you know you know an error on the balance sheet would not be funny for anybody but there are places where you can do that and you can fail a little bit and that demonstrates to yourself that you have that resilience you can actually cope because if you're building this perfectionist piece all the time and you're always feeling like you have to be i can feel my blood pressure going up just talking about that so it's okay to fail you will cope with it other people will manage you are human and it's a little bit of a reminder of that too Fiona, you've really shared some fantastic insights and advice with us today. So thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. Perhaps you'll come back later in the year and we'll discuss this some more. I would absolutely love to come back and speak with you, Elena. Thanks so much. You're welcome, Fiona. And thank you for listening. As ever, if you'd like to find out more about what we do, you can head to our website, www.ukbodytalk.com. And of course, we are on LinkedIn and Instagram. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs>